Well, again, I hope you guys all had a happy Thanksgiving. I sure did. I spent my Thanksgiving with my family, my grandchildren, and my children at my home, and we had a feast. I mean, turkey for days. We tried to watch a football game, and I don't know what it is. Josh, he left. There's that thing in the turkey that makes you sleep. Yeah, so for three games, I slept, you all, every game. Yeah. So I was so thankful because I got my mom to come over, and we lost my dad this year, and, and she was so grateful to spend Thanksgiving with us. And I was so touched and thankful that I still have my mom and all my kids. So, yeah, we had a good time. But did you know that thankfulness is a part or a product of forgiveness? It is. And this is what I want to talk to you guys this morning about the power of forgiveness we receive as a believer of Jesus Christ and to know that we are forgiven. And we'll also discover the power that we, we're, we're given to forgive others as we comprehend the complete work of Jesus Christ and what he did for us on the cross and why he spoke these words saying, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Now, for many of us, uh, we've called upon God, we've asked God for forgiveness, but somehow or somewhat we falter our belief, our trust, and we tend to hold on to our past and to our unforgiveness, which keeps us in a place of uncertainty and instability. And for some of us, we're pretty good at disguising our pain, disguising our feelings and our emotions. We suppress it and we hide it deep down within our souls. And you need to know this. You can hide these things from people. You can hide your pain. You can hide your emotions from people. But you can't hide it from yourself. And you can't hide it from God. Because God knows when we're holding on to stuff. He knows when you're holding on to your pain, your past, your unforgiveness. Do you know that God knows you even more than you know yourself? Yeah, he does. So he, re- he, he knows those things. He knows when we're holding on to unforgiveness. Our pride and our stubbornness is why we hold on to unforgiveness. We don't realize it. But it is that the results of holding on to unforgiveness can be devastating to your life, to your relationships, both to people and to God. And even if we're, we're aware of our unforgiveness and we know that it's, 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 it's going to destroy us, we still hold on to unforgiveness for dear life. We do. And it's because of pride and our stubbornness. I got this thing right here, and this is, uh, how many of you guys know what this is? You guys ever seen something like this? Yeah, this is a, a, a monkey trap, and it's a, quite an ingenious contraption. And somebody really used their, their, their brains and their intelligence to, to create something like this. Who can tell me what they use this for? Okay, I just gave you guys a hint. I'm checking if you guys paying attention. It's a monkey trap. It's to catch monkeys. <laughs> okay, third service, you know, all right. <laughs> anyway, here's how it works. Anyway, so 
in the region that the, the monkeys are in, there's a scarce, uh, it's scarce for salt. So there's hardly any salt there. And somehow, the monkeys have developed a taste for salt. So what the monkeys would do, they would actually break into uh, the people's home in the region to steal salt. So these guys got together and somebody came up with this contraption. And what they would do is they would put some salt in here because they, the, the salt attracts the monkeys, yeah? And what happens is because of their stubbornness and their inquisitiveness, they would come and they would come upon this trap and they would put their hands in here and they would feel all the salt on the bottom. So what they do because of their, their greediness, they would try to get as much salt as they can and hold it in their, in their hands. And what it does, it creates a fist. And now when they try to pull their hands out, they can't come through this skinny part of this funnel-like contraption here. So they're stuck. And because of their perseverance and their stubbornness, they won't let go of the salt. They won't let it go. Even when they know that they're in trouble to be caught, they won't let it go. So the hunters, what they would do when they see the monkey trapped in this, they don't need to run up to the monkey and, 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 and catch it. What they do, they walk up to the monkey real slow like, and the monkey would actually look at them and just hold on to the salt. They won't let it go. And they would get a club and kaboom. That's all she wrote. <laughs> and it's quite ingenious that the inventor of this contraption would find out the weakness of the monkeys in their stubbornness and the way that they think. But isn't it just like us? Not calling you guys monkeys in any way, but isn't it just like us that by relating to how the enemy, the devil, has discovered our weakness when it comes to unforgiveness? Discovering that we are prideful and stubborn beings and we hold on to unforgiveness until we are vulnerable to be caught in the, the traps of the enemy so that he can destroy our relationships both with people and with God. We're trapped because we don't let go of the saltiness of our hearts, which is caught in pride and unforgiveness. So we're going to talk about that. So would you take out your notes from your bulletins? And if you got your Bibles with you this morning, would you open your Bibles to the very first book of the Bible? And it's called Genesis, and we'll be in chapter 32 this morning. Genesis chapter 32, easy, just open up the, the, the cover and should be the first book of the Bible. And we're, we're, we're going to look into the lives of two brothers and how one brother actually released forgiveness while the other held on to it. And we're going to see how God intervened in their lives. And it's a story of Esau and Jacob and how Jacob was the one that held on to unforgiveness and um, Esau released it. I'll bring you up to speed of what's actually happening in their lives right now. So it was a time that Esau was out hunting one day, and he was out for a couple of days, and, and he was very, very, very hungry. The Bible says almost unto death. But Jacob was at home and uh, cooking up some, some stew and cooking up some food. And Esau comes out of the, the, the forest, and he comes home. He's actually starving. And he asks his brother for some food. And he actually bargains with Jacob for his birthright. 
So Jacob actually takes that birthright away and gives Esau some food. But now Jacob is about to take the blessings away from Esau of being the firstborn son. Isaac, their dad, who is old at this, at this point and is um, actually getting blind, and he's uh, contemplating death. So he doesn't know when he's going to pass away. So he calls Esau to himself, and he says, Esau, would you go out and hunt some game and then come home and cook up some of that good stew that, that, that you cook? Isaac probably had some Hawaiian blood within him to ask for stew to be his last meal on earth. But anyway, so, so Rebecca is listening to this request. And he hears, she hears Isaac, so she plans uh, to dress Jacob. Because Esau was a, a hairy type of man, he, she plans to dress Jacob and make him hairy. And then she cooks up some stew and gives it to Jacob to go in and, and feed um, Isaac. Isaac is not blind, so he feels around and feels the fur that's on uh, Jacob and thinks that it's Esau. So he eats the stew, and then he gives Jacob the blessing of the first son. Esau comes home with his stew and goes in to, to feed uh, Isaac, and Isaac says, I've already blessed your brother. And Esau is furious and says, don't you have any more blessings for me? Esau is now on the hunt for his brother Jacob because he stole and deceived his father with the blessings of the older son. So Isaac finds out about Esau's heart and sends Jacob to be with Rebekah's brother, his brother-in-law Laban. And Jacob ends up working for over 20 years for his uncle Laban. And through that years of living with Laban, God was with Jacob. And Jacob prospered in that land. And he had a good life. He's now gained uh, two wives and, and Laban's daughters, Leah and, and, and Rachel. And now has some, some children with them. So he has families with them. And he's built some wealth for himself by raising some flocks and some herds. He realizes that he needs more pasture land because there's not enough land, so he wants to separate from Laban. So he flees from Laban and is now on his way back home with his families. Let's read from Genesis 32, starting at verse 1, and we'll go all the way to Genesis chapter 33, verse 20. So Jacob went on his way, And the angels of God met him. When Jacob saw them, he said, This is God's camp. And he called the name of that place Mahananim. Then Jacob sent messengers before him to Esau, his brother in the land of Seir, the country of Edom. And he commanded them, saying, Speak thus to my lord Esau. Thus your servant Jacob says, I have dwelt with Laban and stayed there until now. When unforgiveness is in in our hearts, sometimes we don't want to deal with it. So sometimes we want somebody else to take care of our affairs. We we, we don't want to deal with it. It's it's like saying, Pastor Charlie, um, would you go ask my wife for forgiveness? We want to send messages. We want to send somebody else because we just don't want to deal with it. And that's what's happening with with Jacob. Verse 5. 
I have oxen, donkeys, flocks, and male and female servants, and I have sent to tell my Lord that I may find favor in your sight. Now here what's happening is sometimes we don't want to deal with it. We just want to pay for it. We just want it out of our lives. So what, what's happening here is it's actually um, saying that I want to try to buy my forgiveness from Esau. Verse 6, Then the messengers returned to Jacob, saying, We came to your brother Esau, and he also is coming to meet you. And 400 men are with him. So Jacob was greatly afraid and distressed. And he divided the people that were with him, and the flocks and herds and camels into two companies. And he said, If Esau comes to one company and attacks it, then the other company which is left will escape. And that's what happens when we have unforgiveness within us. And when it's coming near, fear starts to come in. And we start to do things in an abnormal way, like what Jacob is now doing. He's starting to divide his family. Verse 9. Then Jacob said, O God of my father Abraham and God of my father Isaac, the Lord who said to me, Return to your country and to your family, and I will deal well with you. I am not worthy of the least of all the mercies of all and of all the truth which you have shown your servant. For I crossed over this Jordan with my staff, and now I have become two companies. Deliver me, I pray, from the hand of my brother, from the hand of Esau, for I fear him, lest he come and attack me and the mother with the children." For you said, I will surely treat you well and make your descendants as a sand of the sea, which cannot be numbered for multitude. Now, Jacob actually prays and, and actually kinds of put his problems on God. But then he remembers and he, re, he, he reminds God that this is what you promised me. You brought me back here. So he's kind of placing it on God right now. 13. So he lodged there that same night and took what came to his hand as a present for Esau, his brother, 200 female goats and 20 male goats, 200 ewes and 20 rams, 30 milk cows with their coats, 40 cows and 10 bulls, 20 female donkeys and 10 fowls. Then he delivered them to the hand of his servants, each drove by itself, and said to his servants, pass over before me and put some distance between successive Droves. And he commanded the first one, saying, When Esau, my brother, meets you and asks you, saying, To whom do you belong and where are you going? Whose are these in front of you? Then you shall say, They are your servant Jacob's. It is a present sent to my lord Esau, and behold, he also is behind us. So he commanded the second, the third, and all who followed the drove, saying, In this manner you shall speak to Esau when you find him. And also said, Behold, your servant Jacob is behind us. For he said, I will appease him. And the present that goes before me, and afterward I will see his face. Perhaps he will accept me. So Jacob is sort of throwing this stuff at, at Esau as a bribe uh, for, for his forgiveness. 21. So the present went on over before him, but he himself lodged at night in the camp. 
And he arose at night and took his two wives, his two female, female servants, and his eleven sons, and crossed over the fort of Jabbok. He took them, sent them over the brook, and sent over what he had. Then Jacob was left alone, and a man wrestled with him until the breaking of day. That was God. You guys ever had something so heavy on your hearts and on your minds that you couldn't sleep at night? That's what's happening to, to, to Jacob because he knows tomorrow he'll meet up with Esau. He doesn't know what's going to happen. So it's that heavy on his heart right now. So he wrestles with God. Now when he saw, when God saw that he did not prevail against him, he touched the socket of his hip, and the socket of Jacob's hip was out of joint as he wrestled with him. And he said, let me go, for the day breaks. But he said, Jacob, I will not let you go unless you bless me. So he said to him, what is your name? He said, Jacob. And he said, your name shall no longer be Jacob, but Israel, for you have struggled with God and with man and have prevailed. Then Jacob asked, saying, tell me your name, I pray. And he said, why is it that you ask about my name? And he, God, blessed him there. And God now answers and intervenes for Jacob. Now watch what Jacob says here. So Jacob called the name of that place Penuel, for I have seen God face to face, and my life is preserved. Just as he crossed over Penuel, the sun rose on him, and he limped on his hip. Jacob now knows. He's now wrestled with God. He now knows that God is with him. God touched him in a certain way. 32 Therefore, to this day, the children of Israel do not eat the muscle that shrank, which is on the hip socket, because he touched the socket of Jacob's hip in the muscle that shrank. Now Jacob lifted up his eyes and looked, and there Esau was coming, and with him 400 men. So he divided the children among Leah, Rachel, and the two maidservants. And he put the maidservants and their children in front, Leah and her children behind, and Rachel and Joseph last. Then he crossed over before them and bowed himself to the ground seven times until he came near to his brother. Now, what Jacob was now doing, he was not dividing his goods so that if they were attacked, one would get away. What he was now doing, he understands that God is with them. He was lining up his family as a welcoming line. For Esau. So Jacob is now ready to welcome Esau. He's not afraid of him anymore. Four. But Esau ran to meet him. Watch what Esau does. He ran to meet him and embraced him and fell on his neck and kissed him. And they wept. And he lifted his eyes and saw the women and children and said, Who are these with you? So he said, the children whom God has graciously given your servant. Then the maidservant came near, they and their children, and bowed down. And Leah also came near with her children, and they bowed down. Afterward, Joseph and Rachel came near, and they bowed down. Then Esau said, what do you mean by all this company which I met? And Jacob said, 
These are to find favor in the sight of my Lord. But he says, I have enough, my brother. Keep what you have for yourself. And Jacob said, no, please. If I have now found favor in your sight, then receive my present from my hand. Inasmuch as I have seen your face as though I had seen the face of God and you were pleased with me. Please take my blessings that is brought to you because God has dealt graciously with me and because I have enough. So he urged them and he took. Jacob now knows that he's blessed. He's going to be blessed. His life is preserved and he now knows what to do. Instead of bribing Esau now, that bribe has now turned into an offering to Esau. Something happened when God touched Jacob's life. Then Esau said, let us take our journey. Let us go and I will go before you. But Jacob said to him, my Lord knows that the children are weak and the flocks and the herds which are nursing are with me. And if the men should drive them hard one day, all the flock will die. Please, let my Lord go on ahead before his servant. I will lead on slowly at a pace which the livestock that go before me and the children are able to endure until I come to my Lord in Sire. Then Esau said, Now let me leave with you some of the people who are with me. But he said, What need is there? Let me find favor in the sight of my Lord. So Esau returned that day on his way to Seir, and Jacob journeyed to Sekot, built himself a house, and made boots for his livestock. Therefore, the name of the place is called Sakut. Jacob held on to his unforgiveness for over 20 years, and it haunted him on the inside for all those years. He lived a good life. He did. He's, he prospered very much with his, with his uncle Laban. But deep down within him, unforgiveness was there. And his unforgiveness was chewing him up from the inside. But there came a day when he had to face his fears, that he had to face his past, yet he had to face his unforgiveness. He wrestled with his unforgiveness for years because unforgiveness, folks, listen, stirs up torment. And it stirs up anger and strife and guilt and misery and dissatisfaction of life and so on. And he knew that it was time that he had to come before the Lord and he prayed and he wrestled with God to contend for him. God knew what Jacob needed at that very moment. He needed a touch from God and he needed assurance. We too, we hold on to our unforgiveness and maybe for days, maybe for months, maybe for years we've done that. But no matter how long, there will come a day that God wants you and I to release that unforgiveness, to let it go. God wants to assure us for life, and he wants to assure you today so we too can receive the power to forgive. Jesus said in Matthew 6, 
For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. You see, it's not that he doesn't want to forgive us. God's heart is to forgive us. But if unforgiveness resides in our hearts, then we will never experience true forgiveness that comes from the Father to us. We'll never know the complete work of Jesus Christ and what he did for us on the cross for forgiveness because of unforgiveness in our hearts. Listen, Jesus died. He died for us on the cross because he shed his blood for the forgiveness of our sins. He died for you and I. The power of forgiveness is for us. That would be your first point for this morning. Number one, forgiveness is for me. Forgiveness is for me. You see, Jacob needed to find forgiveness for himself. Unforgiveness was killing him. And if you notice in our entire reading for this morning to Genesis, Esau never brings up the past. He never brings up his feelings. He never brings up unforgiveness. You know why? Because Esau has moved on in his life. He's done. He forgave Jacob. And did you know that it's the duty of the older brother and it's his responsibility to take care of his siblings. And if one should leave, it was his responsibility to go out and gather them back and rebuild that relationship. That's the responsibility of the older brother. It's like the prodigal son. It was the older brother's responsibility to go out and get his younger brother and bring him home. But he didn't do that. Watch what Esau does. When Esau met him, Esau ran and kissed him and welcomed him. Isn't that the picture of the prodigal son and the father relating to his son when he came back? Jacob was the one struggling with his guilt and couldn't forgive himself. He kept fighting with it in his soul and it ate him up on the inside all those years. You see, forgiveness is for us. Forgiveness is for me. I remember fighting with one of my classmates. This was BC days, before, before Christ, right? So it stays here, right? So, you know, so there was this guy, and, you know, we, I didn't want to fight him, but in those days, you know, you just naive and stupid. So, and I was hanging around the wrong people, so, so win beef. And so, um, <laughs> um, yeah, we did. So I met him at a, a class reunion a couple years ago. And um, because I'm a pastor and now a Christian, I, I had to make things right, right? Right? Yeah. But anyway, <laughs> so, so I go up to him and I got all these feelings within me. Only now, but it must have been... Uh, within me for a long time because when I saw him, that's when it happened. So I go up to him and uh, 
I said, hey, brother. Hey. So I said, hey, you know, I just wanted to come up and, and say, um, you know, forgive me for my foolishness in our uh, days. So this is over 35 years ago, so you guys do the math. But anyway, um, he looks at me and he laughs and he said, brah, that's in the past already. We've got to move on in life. We've got to move on. And I looked at him and he floored me at that time. I was like, what? He didn't remember the incident. And I said, I was supposed to do that. I had a pastor. I was supposed to do that. So, so, so we shake hands and he, he laughs at me. We shake hands. He offers me a beer and I didn't take it. And we enjoyed, yeah, we, we enjoyed the rest of the night together. But the point is that we hold on to stuff. And I always thought that this person had something against me. And I was judging him for that. And it was because of my unforgiveness that I placed a judgment on somebody. And he didn't have anything against him. He moved on in life. Folks, forgiveness is for us. And it releases life within our souls so we can live life to its fullness. Unforgiveness holds us captive. It really does. And my judgment kept me from moving forward in life. I was the one that needed forgiveness for myself. I judged him. And Jesus says again in Luke 6, Judge not and you shall not be judged. Condemn not and you shall not be condemned. Forgive and you will be forgiven. How many of you know that unforgiveness and unconfused sin will hinder the power of God within your lives? Whether you hurt someone or someone hurt you, we need to forgive ourselves first before we can forgive others. We will never experience or understand the power of forgiveness until we experience forgiveness in our own hearts first. Listen, you can't pass on what you don't have. You cannot pass on what you don't have within you. When we hold on to unforgiveness and we don't ask forgiveness for forgiveness, we're caught like the monkeys and we're destroying ourselves. We destroy ourselves mentally, physically, and spiritually. Fear and pride and stubbornness enter our souls and we're trapped in unforgiveness. For some of us, someone hurt you and now you're stuck in the fear of being hurt again. And that's understandable. That is, it's understandable. But there has to be a day, like the day of Jacob, when God is going to ask you to release that unforgiveness, to contend with him, to contend with the fear, and start to trust in him for your forgiveness. You have to wrestle with God as Jacob did because it's a personal thing. It's something that you're holding within you. Forgiveness is for you. It'll be a time of self-examination to see if you really trust God to see if you really know that God forgave you. You see, if we don't come to God, then fear and dissatisfaction will come to you. 
For some of us, we don't want to deal with forgiveness. We want to send someone else to handle our affairs. We want to send a messenger like Jacob did. But listen, folks, they can't forgive or be forgiven for you. You have to do it on your own. We have to do it for ourselves. It has to come from us, and it needs to be in you. Or we will never experience the fullness effect, the full effect of why Jesus shed his blood for the forgiveness of our sins. You see, Jesus died for our sins. And it's him who holds the power of forgiveness through what he did for you and I on the cross. And when you and I come to him, we will gain the power to forgive. That's your second point this morning. Number two, forgiveness comes through Jesus. Forgiveness comes to Jesus. Now, I want you to get this this morning. If you get anything, get this this morning. Jesus is our source of forgiveness. Jesus is our source of forgiveness. Now, I understand that we're all in different levels in our walk with Christ and, and in the church. For some of you, we've been here forever. And for some of us, we're brand new in our walk. So I don't want to dishearten anyone, but I'm, I, I'm going to say this because it is truth. If you believe that Jesus died for your salvation and shed his blood for your forgiveness of your sins, and it comes to the obedience that Jesus did to the Father on the cross. If you believe that Jesus died for you, for your salvation, and for the forgiveness of your sin, raise a hand this morning. If that's you, come on. If you believe that, raise a hand this morning. Yeah, raise a hand. Good, beautiful. Thank you. If you believe that you're saved and forgiven in Christ because of the cross, you are absolutely right. You are. Ephesians 1.7 reads, In him we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins according to the riches of his grace. So we all confess to that. Great. So this is for us. And I'm going to be truthful today. Can I be truthful with you guys this morning? Yeah? Okay, so I'll be truthful. This is for you. It's for me also. Okay? You know what our biggest problem is as a Christian? I'll be real frank with you this morning. We say we believe. But when we're in our difficult situations that challenges our faith, it's a whole different story, isn't it? That's the truth, guys. Because we just human beings, right? Right? Yeah. It's the truth. We're going to be real this morning. Because that's what happens. When situations arise, we drop our faith. We all confess. But sometimes we just don't believe. We all do that. I do that. You believe in the work of the cross. Praise God. Praise God that you believe in. Because we need to believe in the fullness, in the complete work of the de- redemptive work that Jesus did for us on the cross. We need 
to believe that. If you've asked Jesus to forgive you for some bad choices you made in your life, you got to have faith to believe that you are forgiven. You got to have that kind of faith. You got to believe that you're forgiven. We can't be going back on our faith and asking for forgiveness for the same things over and over again. Folks, Jesus died for us once and for all. Let's stop putting him back on the cross by doubting him. Believe you are forgiven and you will be forgiven. Amen? There's a saying. They say that hurt people hurt people. Right? Well, here's what I say. Forgiven people forgive people. Amen? Yeah. Jesus died and redeemed you. You're forgiven. Put that in your heart today. If you've taken anything, take that. Forgiveness is for us. Now believe it and receive it. Believe the complete work of the cross. Jesus is not going to go back to the cross He's not. He said this. He said, it is done. Experience his complete forgiveness for yourself and move on in your life and begin to forgive as you have been forgiven. Put your faith, your belief in the fullness of the cross, not just what we want from the cross. Forgiveness is for us. And his power to be forgiven comes to Jesus Christ by what he's done for us. When we became or we're becoming a believer and we grasp this concept today, when you grasp this, you will experience the power of forgiveness for your life. When you grasp and know that Jesus went to the cross so that you would be forgiven. That's when the power will come within you. It is in the knowing people. It's in faith, believing you're forgiven to Jesus Christ, that the true characters of God begins to come out of us when we know we're forgiven. Colossians 3 reads this way, Therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved. Do you guys know that you guys are the elect people of God? That you guys are holy and you guys are his beloved. That's who you are. That's what it says right here. And he says this, put on tender mercies, kindness, humility, meekness, long-suffering, bearing with one another and forgiving one another. If anyone has a complaint against another, even as Christ forgave you, so you, are, you also must do. And what he's saying, we got to forgive also. When we concede to the fullness of, of God's grace for the worst, most nastiest, and the wickedest sins we've ever done, understanding we're forgiven through God's grace and Jesus' commitment on the cross, now we'll be able to move forward with compassion to forgive others because we understand what forgiveness looks like. Let's get that right this morning. He forgave us first. And because he did, we too must do the same. And that's your last point for this morning. 
Jesus gave us the power to forgive. Because number three, forgiveness is a choice. Forgiveness is a choice. Forgiveness is for you. Forgiveness is for me. Forgiveness is for us. And we experience it not only by accepting God's grace, but really, really receiving it through faith in the complete work of Jesus Christ on the cross. I can't say it enough. But again, it's you. It's you who has to make the choice to choose forgiveness for yourself. God offers it, but we have to choose it. What has taken place in your past hurts is inevitable. But to allow the pain of your past to take your power away is your choice. It's your choice. No one can and no one else is going to do it for you. Nor can you try to pay for your unforgiveness. It's done. Jacob tried. Jacob tried to send his messengers with herds and with flocks to see if he could gain his forgiveness from Esau. Let me tell you this. The only one that can do that for you is Jesus Christ. You know why? Because Jesus Christ is the Lamb of God that was slain for our sins. And ultimately, the choice became Jacob's. Jacob had to make that choice to understand forgiveness for himself. And we got to understand that it's our choice to receive forgiveness. Jacob prayed and God touched his life forever. That's why he touched his hip and he walked with a limp for the rest of his life. God is getting ready to touch some of our lives forever today. His bribe now turned into an offering because Jacob knew that forgiveness came through God when he chose to wrestle with his unforgiveness and he knew that he would prevail and that his life was preserved to God. I'm not home. If you who has to make the first move, it's us who have to make the first move. It's your choice. And I love what this scripture says. I love what this, the, the, this first word in this scripture does for us. And it's uh, 1 John 1.9. It speaks about the whole scripture. 1 John 1.9. If we confess our sins... He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That first word, if, is an action word that needs a response. And it comes from you and I. It's our choice. We can go through life with unforgiveness. We can, and some of us will. But as we found out today, there is no life in unforgiveness. Or... We can choose today and we can make a conscious decision to say no more. No more. I'm choosing a life through Jesus Christ with the power to forgive because I know that I am forgiven. Here at New Hope, we've adopted a camp from Oahu, um, which is called Camp Agape. And it's, it's a camp that we put on for the children of uh, parents for the parents who are incarcerated so we put on the 
the camp for these children. And we're in our third year. And in our first year, we kind of borrowed some junior mentors from Oahu because we didn't have any junior mentors, so we borrowed from them, actually bringing them over to help us with the camp. But after our third camp this year, we now have 12 junior mentors who are committed to the purpose and the vision of Camp Agape, and they're committed to uh, help us to, to, um, with this, the younger children who's coming to camps um, with their experience with incarceration of their parents. And so one of these uh, junior mentors has stepped up and has now become um, the leader for the junior mentor. She has taken these junior mentors under her wing and um, started Bible study with them and, and is now recruiting leaders uh, for Camp Agape because that's her heart. She's learned something. This person has been through a lot in her life and especially with forgiveness. Um, I love her. I, she's, she's tremendous. And she understands, after five years or more with Camp Agape, she understands what forgiveness looks like. Take a look at this video. My name is Ashley, I'm 17 years old, and my take on forgiveness starts with my story back when I was three. When I was three, my dad had went in and out of prison multiple times, you know, he's missed a bunch of my life. He's missed birthdays, sports, class activities, school dances. Most of all, I've seen him hurt himself and my family. For most part of my life, I felt really angry towards my dad and it kind of took a toll with my friendships that I used to make and I used to get angry at them for no reason until I realized that it wasn't them or it wasn't my dad, it was me because I wasn't able to forgive him and so I wasn't able to move on. When I went to my first Camp Agape on Oahu, I learned about forgiveness and I learned how when you forgive others that it helps you and forgiveness is not for them but it's for yourself. And when I learned about that, that's when I knew from that day that I had to start the process of forgiving my dad. When I attended the camp on Oahu, was the first time I realized that I wasn't the only one going through these same type of situations. Before my first camp, I didn't really think that anybody understood what I was going through. Nobody understood that after all the hurt that my dad has did to me and my family and has left me so much times, they didn't understand what I was going through. But in fact, when I went to the camp is where I learned that these kids my age and younger, they go through the exact same thing and they feel so hurt and feel so distant from their parents. But at the same time, they loved, they were so happy and I wanted what they had. And it was, it was God. They had God and I wanted God. And I wanted to be happy and I wanted to feel so free and I wanted to feel excited uh, throughout my life and everything I did. And I knew that I could only do that if I started to forgive my dad. Forgiveness is a hard topic. Forgiveness is a tough thing to go through and to do. But again, forgiveness is not for them. It's for you. So you don't carry all that burden in your life. You just let it all go. You give it to God. You put it on Him. And He will restore your happiness. And He will bring back such joy into your life. And that's only through God and what He has taught me. And that's why I want to forgive. I'm Ashley, I'm 17 years old, and I learned how to forgive. 
Thank you. And there is power. There is power in the name of Jesus. And forgiveness comes in and through Jesus Christ. There is power in his name to transform our lives. And that power is the power of love. God so loved the world. And that's where Jesus knew that he was the sent one. The one sent with the heart to love. So he could forgive. And he's called us, you and I, to forgive. So that we can find forgiveness in our Father and be back with him. Jesus walked the earth as God and man. So he understood us. He understands the Father's heart. And that's why he said, Father, forgive them for they know not what they do. Listen, there's nothing that you've done that Jesus doesn't understand. And he can do anything for you. Anything. But there's one thing that he will not do. He will not make your choices for you. He leaves that up to you. That's why he's a gracious and loving and merciful God. He's a gentle God that loves us so much. Folks, I, can say, I can't say it any clearer. Forgiveness is for you. And the power to forgive people comes to the complete and the immeasurable love shown to you and I on the cross by Jesus Christ. We just need to believe it and receive it because you will never find true forgiveness anywhere else in this world. I'll end with this story. It happened in Indianapolis earlier this month. Actually, we were in Oregon, and my wife and I, and we saw this on the news. When a pastor's wife was brutally attacked and shot dead in her home. Amanda Blackburn, the pregnant wife of Pastor Davy Blackburn, was at home with her toddler son, Weston, alone when this incident happened. Pastor Davey left early in that morning and returned home to discover this tragedy in his family. The police officers returned and told Pastor Davey that they have found the suspects and now they're placing them under arrest. And when Pastor Davey was told of the arrest of the suspects, he said this, Though everything inside of me wants to hate, be angry, and slip into despair, I choose the route of forgiveness, grace, and hope. If there's one thing I've learned from Amanda in the 10 years that we've been together, it's this. Choosing to let my emotions drive my decisions is a recipe for hopelessness and fruitless life. Pastor Davy understands what true forgiveness looks like. And we'll be praying for Pastor Davy and his family. But I also will be praying for you that today you'd find forgiveness for yourselves through Jesus Christ and believe it, receive it, that he died for your forgiveness on the cross. You are forgiven people. 
when you search for it with all your heart, soul, and mind, and strength, you will find His forgiveness. I can affirm that for you. You'll find it. And when you do, you'll be able to love and you'll be able to forgive others in a far better way as Pastor Davey does. It's not easy for him to go through the emotions that he's going through. Forgiveness is not an easy topic. It is not an easy thing that we can go through. There's a lot of emotions that's attached to it. But to know that Jesus loves you and that he forgave us of the most horrible sins that we've done before him, lets us know that we can be forgiving others in the same way. Amen? As Pastor Davey goes through his emotions, here's what Ephesians 4 tells us. Let all bitterness, wrath, anger, clamor, and evil speaking be put away from you with all malice and be kind to one another, tenderhearted, forgiving one another, even as God in Christ forgave you. Amen? You may close your Bibles and put away your notes this morning. Would you bow your hearts with me in prayer this morning? Father, forgiveness is not an easy thing that we go through in life. It's difficult because there's pain and there's hurt and there's emotions that are, that, that's attached to it. And for some of us, Father, we just don't know how to cope with it. At times, we want to just blow it off, not God, and have someone else deal with it. But it's personal. It's something that you want to deal with in the person. So, Father, I pray this morning that this message would touch the hearts, that they get to come to you. That you died on the cross for the forgiveness of our sins. Your blood was shed for the redemption of our sins. And we can come to you no matter how filthy, no matter what's, what we're going through, Father. There is a way. And you provided that way. Forgiveness is for us. Many people hold on to that. And people have gone on in their life, but we still hold on to it. Father, help us. Help us to come to you because forgiveness comes through you, Lord Jesus. Help us to make a choice. And I pray that that choice would be done today, that we choose forgiveness in and through you. That we get to lay our, 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 our unforgiveness unto you. Your word says, cast your cares unto you, that we get to cast it unto you because you love us. So, Father, today I pray that they would cast their unforgiveness, their pain, their hurt, that you would start to work a work within them, that today is the day of salvation. Today is the day that you deal with their past and with their unforgiveness. Only, Lord, to let them know that by your love, they are forgiven people. Thank you for forgiving us, Lord God. Now place that strength within us through the power of your Holy Spirit. Give us the strength to go out now and forgive others as you have forgiven us. We trust in you, Lord, and I thank you. 
for what you're about to do in these lives of these people. It's in your name that I pray. And we all said, Amen and Amen.